1: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My
0: Millennial Money Express. I'm Glenn James. Today, I'm with JP in the team. Hello. And uh, hey, JP. Hey, hey. And she's got some questions about her investment account. Now, this episode is not sponsored, any of that stuff, um, but she had some questions about her own personal account and I said, well, let's press record and answer them on an express episode. So, are you ready to get all expressy on us? I'm ready. Okay, JP, we don't need to talk about um, actual values in your investment account because if people knew you had $3 million, they might get a bit offended.
2: <laughs> I know, right?
0: But what if? what's on your mind? What questions tell us the type of investment account how how you're doing it all what you set up and all sure. that stuff
2: so i've just started investing and i've done that to dip my toes in the water and essentially what i've done is i've opened a vanguard personal investor account and i have started to put a few lump sums in a managed fund right And my question for you- Can
0: I ask what the managed fund is within the Vanguard personal investor? It's the
2: Vanguard high growth index fund.
0: Right. Cool. And if anyone is out there and wondering about the Vanguard uh, personal investor, I actually did a YouTube review of the platform because it's a really good way to understand how investment platforms work because the concepts are usually the same across all investment platforms and all investments, much like cars- the concept is all the same, whether you buy a Toyota, a Mazda, a Suzuki, whatever other cars people buy, a car's a car with an engine, it goes and you sit in it. So, the concepts are the same, but just the brands and the styles can be different. So, Mm -hmm. that's why I did the case study on the Vanguard personal investor.
2: Right. And does that case study answer the question that I'm asking you?
0: Oh, I forget, but it okay. might. Okay. Um, because I can... did
2: watch it, but it didn't make sense okay. to me. That's fine. But investing noob or newbie over here. Yeah, that's so fine. my question for you essentially is how can I calculate what the return, the quarterly return is going to be depending on how much I have in the account?
0: Sure. So a couple of things we need to first understand is if we look at Different types of investments, and it goes back to risk profile and the style of investment. So, if I go to a bank tomorrow and say I would like to put $3,000 in a term deposit, and they will say for 12 months we will pay you 5% return, so we know with certainty that's been agreed on. So, at the end of that 12 months, we'll know. Now, if we go to the very other end of the spectrum and you know you you've watched Shark Tank on TV and someone's got this new idea and you're like, I want to invest you know my three thousand dollars in that company. well there's no way to there's no way to know that in a year's time if that three thousand dollars will be worth zero or worth a million dollars. So you can see that there's on this spectrum of risk low risk low return certainty if you will, high risk, high return, not much certainty. So, if we look at the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Fund, we know when we look at the asset allocation, that 90% of that fund is invested in growth assets. And within that, we've got Australian shares, international shares, uh, we've got property, and then a 10% allocation to fixed interest and bonds and whatnot. So, having said all that, if we go one step further, we know that the underlying companies in the international and the Australian equities portion It could be companies like banks in Australia, Woolworths, Coles. We know these companies produce an income and a profit for shareholders, right? So, it's not as high risk as this new startup company, okay? And you're probably thinking, just answered the question, but we need to understand (laughs) how the concepts work. And this is why in chapter five of the book, Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested.
2: Wow. Sounds like a great book.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. You should read it. I actually talk more about these investment concepts and structures. So, back to your question, how do I project what my investment's going to return? Well, at the end of the day, there's no guarantee of future performance. There's that saying past performance is not an indication of future performance. You said to me in the last 12 months, the fund did about 18% return, right?
2: Yep, that's right.
0: Yep. So, We can't base any of our investing in growth assets on a 12-month return because we want to hold a growth asset for at least six to seven years, right? So, for example, this fund that we've got, um, over the last 10 years, I think it did about 10% return, okay? Mm -hmm. So, that's a better indication of what the fund will do because it's had a full seven to 10 years Invested right, yeah. Now, within so number one, we can't really project what it's going to return,
2: yeah, but you could project a minimum based on that's right. So, in financial average. planning,
0: you know, if we do complex financial projections, we use assumptions and we say, Well, JP's got a goal of wanting to retire in 30 years with this much money, and then we work backwards and go, Well, to achieve that. We know that this fund should be able to do 8% a year if we just leave it as a minimum because it's invested in growth assets, right? So, that's why you've got to let the fund do its thing. Now, I'm going to get to the point that will really explain that year return to help more and then we work backwards. So, we look at our goals and we work backwards to what's the type of investment. And the thing is, if you've got less time to retire and you need more money, you've only really got a few things. Take a higher risk to get a higher return, put more money in or work longer, basically.
2: And I was thinking of retiring soon. That's right. So, I've got to
0: (laughs) really... you got to really get that happening. Get going. (laughs) So, does that kind of... Before I go to like the 12-month 18% return, does that conceptually help you understand?
2: It does. Yeah. I think I was already aware of that kind of like base knowledge. But I think it's just the impatience of, well, how do I calculate what it's going to return? I think that's still that like immediacy, um, you know, just that want to figure that out. Um,
0: So, we know that growth assets will have a higher return than cash, But there's also more risk and that's why we need to leave them be. Right. But just on the actual percentage return, Mm -hmm. and this will really help you understand because you said, oh, over the last three months, I thought, you know, if the last 12 months did 18%, you know, surely over the last three months, I should be able to carve that up and project what maybe the last three months should have been. Is that a fair statement?
2: Well, when I look at the information that's available online about the managed fund, it's got it's got the month percentage return and yep. it's also got year to date yep. and then within the last year and the year to date is nearly at that same 18.03%. Yep. It's at 16.6%. Yeah.
0: So how those returns are made there's two components of a percentage return. Can you have a th- do you know what they could be?
2: What the buy and sell? Nope. No. <laughs>
0: So, to Wait, get ask a,
2: the question again.
0: So, to get a percentage return, yeah, so let's think term deposit, the bank said they'll give me three percent over the next twelve months. Yeah, we know that's coming from interest, right? Yeah. So what's
2: Oh fixed and variable?
0: No. no. <laughs> Dang it. Anyway, it's an express episode, so I'll <laughs> cut to the chase. So the return is and made up. Dumb answers no, no, I they're not dumb. They're like, and it's legitimate. And that's why we'll always welcome anyone with any type of basic questions. Because mm. we just under, need to understand the principles. So of that 18% return, the return, the percentage return is made up of two components. Mm-hmm. It's made up of Dividends and distributions.
2: Oh, okay.
0: But also capital growth.
2: Right. How does that all fit in?
0: So, I'll use an example. I haven't got it in front of me. But over the last 12 months, there was 18% return. 6% of that return might have just been from dividends. 12% might have been from the companies and the values growing.
2: Right. Okay. So, 6% would be just- of that growth is just direct to the people that have invested.
0: No, it's dividends or imputations or um, distribution. So, I'll I'll paint this another way, right? Because, and I did this in the book so people could really understand. We know you've got an investment property. Yep. We know that you receive rent each week.
2: Yep. Most of the time. No, I do.
0: (laughs) We know that the property itself is worth something. Yep. and each year we hope that the property value increases. Yeah, So, that's the growth of yep. the actual asset mm-hmm. and the rent is the income. Yep. So, basically, if you look at your investment property over a 12-month period, mm-hmm. you might be able to work out what that property produced if you look at the percentage growth of the actual property yeah. and the percentage of the income that it produces. Right. So, for example, the 18% return on this last 12 months, and again, I don't have it in front of me, but as an example, 6% could be made up of CBA dividends, Telstra dividends, um, Woolworth dividends, Apple dividends from America. Yeah. Or the income.
2: Yep, that just goes straight back into the fund. To
0: the, yes, back into the return. Right. So, and that's why-
2: And if, sorry, can I just ask, is that- when people have selected that they want to receive dividends quarterly. Is that anything to do with that or is that just talking about the fund growth?
0: so this is a managed fund. Yeah. And managed funds, what they do, and ETFs, they do quarterly distributions Mm -hmm. and they can be made up of dividends because there's thousands of different companies that have investments. Yeah. So, instead of you getting a $3 payment every week- Yeah. Vanguard, say, we just store the investments, yeah, the dividends, basically,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we pay a distribution every, I think it's three months, every yeah, quarter. Quarterly. Yeah, quarterly. Yeah. So, you can't really just look at the last three months and go, oh, I didn't get any return because there could be a heap of companies, CBA, Telstra, Woolworths, hmm. that pay their big dividends later in the year.
2: Oh, so they just might not have paid in that quarter? Yes. Yes. Oh. So
0: yeah, and this is like all that to say that Can we've drawn for twelve me know? minutes.
2: Can they let me know?
0: Well, I'm letting you know now. <laughs> so because there's thousands of companies, underlying companies in America, overseas yep. with that fund, mm. they're all paying dividends and then the managed fund pulls that dividend together mm-hmm. and they pay you out quarterly and call it a distribution. Mm. So, that's why we need to give this thing a full 12 months of ownership to see some movement. Yeah. And then if the share price of Woolworths and Coles have gone down, it still can be producing a high dividend. So, that's why you really need the seven years Mm. to get the full cycle of the value of the companies, Mm. but also the quarterly distributions coming through. right. Does that help?
2: It does. Essentially, I can't calculate how much I'm going to get each quarter.
0: I don't think so. You would really want to look at yearly.
2: Mm.
0: I mean, you could go and look at – you could really geek out and look at the history of the quarterly distributions because there could be two quarters of the year that are bigger distributions Right. because most companies in Australia pay dividends twice a year. Right. So, the first quarter you've looked at, the distribution might be lower than the next one.
2: Yeah. And then –
0: but we know that this fund over the last, you know, 10 years, it's done 10%. Yeah. And these index funds, like they've been around for 20 years, these Vanguard ones, mm. they basically do what's on the box and yeah. you've just got to-
2: So, I them. effectively could go, okay, well, I have X amount in my account or this is how much I have at the start of one year yep. and without, um, you know, adding any- um, lump sums or without auto investing yet or anything like that, in one year's time, I could have 10% of that effectively, hopefully.
0: Hopefully. But yeah. we know that we've got to hold this for seven years because mm. one year, what if there's another COVID crisis and the, the price falls in that next year? Well. Yeah. So, does that kind of help?
2: It does. Yeah.
0: And this is why we need to understand investing is for the long term. It's um, There's risk involved. There's no guarantee. Mm. But we know that we are investing in growth assets. Yeah. We know that the underlying companies in the index are quality companies most of the time. Mm. And we know that if we hold our investments, they will produce a dividend and they'll also appreciate in value.
2: Okay. Oh, that's cool.
0: Sweet. Well, we might leave it there. Thanks, JP, for hanging out with us on My Millennial Money Express. And we're happy to continue this discussion in the My Millennial Money Facebook group. So, thank you everybody for having listened and we'll see you soon. Mm. Bye.